You awake? Yeah. I just want you to know I hate you. So is my dad. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God! Why don't you tell me a story? How do you sleep at night? I don't want to hang out with a bunch of wannabe corporate sellouts. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is all about those rumors and innuendo and those strange stories you've heard about your favorite rock and roll artists and you're not quite sure they're true. So people enlist us. We do the research for each other and we present the story. My name is Brian. I'm Murdoch. Hello. And uh, we have another podcast called Story Guys. You can find everything that we're up to on the internet at wearethestoryguys.com. And we've got a couple housekeeping things real quickly before we um, before we get into uh, the story today, which I will be telling to you. I, I don't know. Have you looked at our online reviews recently? Yeah, um, there was one in particular. If you'd like to talk about it, well, uh, we can. <laughs> this is—I mean, listen, I—I I appreciate the guy for a couple of reasons. One, I, I he, don't. he made his, I don't. He made his username <laughs> "Stay Away If You Can," and and then the subject of the review is uh, "Transcript?" Question mark. Like transcript. Uh, I learned a lot about the Beatles and Clapton by staying with this podcast. Let's give them a medal. But nearly turned it off several times. For me, the hosts are so annoying that it nearly won out over the amazing content. Is there a transcript? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was not my favorite. <laughs> I, I, I'd gladly read other episodes, but I'm afraid I can't bear to hear the smarmy. Is that even actually a word? Smarmy yes. attitude of either of these guys again. So yeah, we're reading this at the beginning of this episode. So if you're new to the show, please be forewarned. Smarminess is ahead. Probably illustrated by the fact that we're reading negative reviews. There's another one by a guy named Frank, Frank Tampa. I don't think Frank Tampa's ever actually listened to the show. He said, lame is the subject line here. Uh, the hosts pick two artists to compare and they predetermine which one is good and then trash the other one and use fake facts and opinion and half-truths and distort and bash one. Don't waste your time. That's not at all what yeah. the show is. <laughs> that's, yeah, that was, that's the interview. That's, I mean, that's the review I was, I thought you were probably going to talk about. The one that, so I, I don't get it. Are, are they like, kind of review. Review yeah, trolls? I, like, I don't understand why you just roll around and like, clearly, like, he clearly has not listened to an episode. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's not, I, I only read those things to illustrate what this show is not. We also have an email address, uh, wearethestoryguys at gmail.com if you would like to comment or get involved directly with us instead of putting it in the public forum. Um, and we we do have a great email from that stack that comes from a, a, a listener named Leif, and he says, hey, how could you go through an entire episode about Jackie Wilson and not mention Ghostbusters? Like, every kid in the 80s that was my introduction oh, yeah. to Jackie Wilson. Do you do you remember this? Do you remember Jackie Wilson and Ghostbusters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your love's gonna take me higher. It saves Manhattan. That song like plays because they have to listen to things that are positive because like of how negative everything in New York is and the negative energy is causing the the goo. It's, it's multiplying. Here's something off the request line from Liberty Island. We gotta squeeze some New Year's juice from you, Big Apple. You know your love. So they had to think of something that was positive, and uh, yeah, and Jack like that becomes it's just the soundtrack to the entire thing. I love it. I love it. Jackie Wilson saved Manhattan, and we forgot to mention it in our Jackie Wilson episode because we were really transfixed on all of the women that he was uh, cavorting with and getting shot by in hallways of his apartment building. I apologize. Thank you for listening, and thank you for not taking that to a public forum and contacting us directly. <laughs> but we do, we do appreciate reviews. We do appreciate your opinion. Uh, hit us up. We are the story guys at gmail.com, or, you know, leave an iTunes review, whatever you want to do. Okay, so 
So this story is uh, is crazy, and it is what I would say one of the most rock and roll excess stories that we've had on this. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. It's up there with George Jones. When we, we talked about George Jones and all of the stuff he got into, I think before we talk about this story, we have to talk about the time that you and I saw this artist live in concert at an amphitheater down the street from your house at which you and I had like a running tab and a timer and a small bet going on how long it was going to take him to take his jacket and then his shirt off and be shirtless. Well, we didn't see Billy Idol together, did we? We did no. see Billy Idol together. Oh, thank you very much for your support. And this one's called a White Wedding. Billy Idol. Okay, I was like, is that because that happened? Remember how incoherent his in-between song banter was? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? He's been he's been sober for a long time, so I don't know if that was just him, like that's the regular banter, or whether he really isn't sober. This but was I, I this was probably was, what like five years ago. This was a while yeah, back. Yeah, but he's been sober uh, for a long time. Apparently, thank right? thank God, because this story will illustrate why that guy needed to get sober. Um, let's talk about Billy Idol for a minute. Um, what are your main Billy Idol touch points? Um, MTV. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Night wedding, dancing with myself. Okay. Those videos. I saw the, I think it was like the 1983 New Year's Eve special on on uh, MTV where he played, like they, they showed that. I saw him in 88 at the Starwood Amphitheater in Nashville and with Stevie Stevens. And it was terrific. The cult opened up and people booed the cult and the cult mooned the, the crowd. Nice. Um, but I remember at the time people really liked Moni Moni a lot. And I thought that was just the worst cover that he ever, ever, ever could have done. I, I mean, there's a lot of good Tommy James and the Shondell songs. And there's probably going to be an episode at some point about Tommy James because of his ties to the mob, which is another one of those things you hear a lot about when you oh, get deep yeah. into rock and roll history. Yeah. But I got to say, Moni Moni sucks. Like, I'll just say it's, it. Yeah, it's not Yankee Panky, man. And it's not Crimson and Clover. No and way. Those are really the, those are the things. So you know, let's the ones that I like. Let's move through quickly. Let's move through Billy Idol and get him to this year because this story takes place in 1989. All right, his career starts in the early 80s, so he's been around for a little less than a decade at the point of this story, and he's doing very, yes. very well. But yeah, to, solo, solo career because he was in Generation X before that. Right, yeah. right. So he's he's born William Michael Albert Broad in 55 in Middlesex, England. You know, he has a, a normal life more or less. He ends up, uh, I think he goes to boarding school. He ends up going to college for a year, pursuing a degree in, what do you want to guess his degree was in? Poli sci. Not poli sci. Uh, <laughs> English for a year. Um, right. And then and then he basically like, he joins, this is a little known fact, he basically joins like a, a group of loosely affiliated people who follow the Sex Pistols around? Yes, I did know that. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and the name Billy Idol, supposedly coined by a school teacher described, uh, describing him as being I-D-L-E. And he decided that uh, he thought it was funny, and he changed it to I-D-O-L. And he couldn't be I-D-L-E partly because of Eric Idol and Monty Python. He thought that would be too confusing. So he went I-D-O-L, yeah. which is much more rock star than Billy I-D-L-E. In 76, he joins a band called Chelsea that doesn't nothing really happens, and he eventually ends up with this band, Generation X, who gets on Crystal's records and releases three, record, three albums and then breaks up at the end of 1980. 
And they also we can't we can't we can't overlook the fact that Ready Steady Go is a terrific single. And Dancing With Myself actually was a Gen X song. Getting things underway, here's Generation X and Ready Steady Go. Ready Steady Go. He moves to New York City in 1981. He gets the guy who used to manage Kiss. Do you know this guy, Bill Aukoin? Oh, yeah. They put out a record called Don't Stop in 1981, and and they cover the Generation X song, Dancing With Myself. One of the things that really helps Billy Idol that I think is important to remember is MTV. So, you know, he kind of comes out right when MTV comes out, and because of his distinct look and that big, like, white mohawk... um, and kind of these weird videos where they get like David Mallet, the director, uh, the British director, to to create these videos for him, and Toby Hooper um, <clears throat> does a friggin' music video for him. It it really jumpstarts his career. Right, don't touch that dial, man, because I'm controlling the video for the next hour. I'm Billy Idol. I'm your guest VJ, and if you keep your eyes geared to the screen, I'll show you video from Steve Strange from Visage Days, Prince talking about sexuality, and The Who singing about a teenage wasteland. But first, let's get back to a time when Bowie was Ziggy. This is White Light, White Heat. And then they put out Rebel Yell uh, in 1983, the album, which of course has the song Rebel Yell on it. And my favorite Billy Idol song, which I still remember the moment he played this when we saw him in 2015 or whenever it was, Eyes Without a Face. Flash for Fantasy. Great record. And yeah, and Flesh for Fantasy. So he's he's killing it. So again, this is all pretext to what happens in 89. And they put out another rep- record in 1986 called Whiplash Smile. You know, the songs aren't as ubiquitous on that record, but there are some hits. To Be a Lover, Don't Need a Gun, Sweet 16. He's on the Top Gun soundtrack. Well, it's because it's Steve Stevens does the, the uh, theme from it. Because Steve Stevens is doing well, he and Billy Idol kind of stop getting along you know this is pretty typical in these rock and roll stories where there's a partnership and then one person starts to kind of outshine the other person and things go a little sour for reasons everybody says well it's not that but it actually is other than like one show in 1993 stevens and idol didn't tour together after this like after like 86 until 1999 so there's this big period of time where they're not hanging out this all leads us to 88 idols got a girlfriend named perry lister and they move from New York to L.A., and Perry Lister is pregnant with Idol's first son. The cradle of love. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Billy Idol was, was rocking a lot of cradles. Idol's son is born on June 15th of 1988. Linda Mathis, who is 19 years old, 13 years younger than Billy, has his second child on August 21st, 1989. All right. Yikes. All right. So it's... That's my- Billy Idol impression. It's all right. It's right around this time that Billy Idol is on a lot of drugs, as he's been very, very, very open about since then. 
and he's making bad decisions like this and this story happens so the scene is set yeah i'm ready for this so things end with perry he basically he's hanging out with this guy named harry johnson literally his name i'm not making that up and uh harry johnson says listen dude i know you're depressed about the breakup of your marriage here's what we need to do we need to just get out of town and when you're Billy Idol and you've had three very successful albums and you're doing really well and it's the age of excess in the late 80s, get out of town doesn't mean go two hours away, right? Like if you and I are going to get out of town, will I go to Cincinnati, right? They decide. Amsterdam. Yeah, well, close. Thailand. Oh, well, now things have gone crazy. <laughs> and, and here's my favorite part of this story. Billy Idol says in interviews that they decided, and I think this was part of the pitch that Harry had, Harry told him, we're not going to do drugs. We're just going to drink alcohol. That's it. So no drugs. You're going you're gonna to chill out. We can have some drinks. We'll have some fun. But we, we're, you're not going to do drugs. So it seems like a reasonable setup for this entire story. We're just going to go to Thailand, and we're just going to drink alcohol. Do you think that's how it went down? No, no. I'm ready. <laughs> Keep going. So there's a little background about Harry, his friend, who is a hairdresser, all puns intended, I guess. Every, and, everything's great here. Okay. And and is not uh is not gay. And and supposedly, according to Billy, positioned his entire career as a hairdresser on the idea that it would make the playing field for him with women very 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 unequal to his advantage because yes. he would be the only straight guy in every room he was in mm-hmm. and he he and billy both claimed that this worked out for him great so i give you that context because there's a lot there are a lot of nameless women in this story all apologies to women with names <laughs> A lot of nameless women. Again, a lot of this story has been told by these two guys, so who knows how much of it is true, right? But it's coming from them. So they they leave LAX because Billy's living in LA. They decide they're only going to drink, and they're just going to go to brothels. That's the plan. We're just going to go to brothels, and we're going to hang out at our hotel. So they go to the Oriental Hotel. They get the presidential suite on the top floor because he's Billy Idol. They have a panoramic view of Thailand, right? This goes on for a few days. They're just drinking. And then they decide, due to the drinking and the jet lag, that they're not ready to leave yet, but maybe if they did a little bit of cocaine, it would help. Oh, I was going to go straight to the heroin, but I guess we go to that. Okay. <laughs> so you're in Thailand. Who do you ask, right? You don't know anybody. They go down to a taxi driver on the street, and they're like, hey. All right. I'm looking for some cocaine. <laughs> it's a, I you're actually welcome. heard that's a recording. That's actually exactly how it sounded. And he gets real excited, and he drives off. And an hour later, he shows back up, and they climb in the back of his cab, and he's got this thin vial that's about eight inches in length, and it's filled with white powder. But Harry takes it. He tastes it. Billy says, I could tell by looking at Harry's face that something was not right. So they go back upstairs, and they start looking at it, right? And they figure out that it's what you started with. Right. It's, yeah. it's China White. Billy, direct quote, you only needed a pinprick. I guess he had been off smack for a while. It had been about three years. They have to figure out how to ingest it, and they can't find any tinfoil. So they start going to grocery stores and markets in Bangkok, and they like basically don't use tinfoil in Thailand. It's like not a thing. They go back to the hotel, and they're like ripping through things trying to find something that might 
contain tinfoil and they they're like oh there's chocolate bars in the mini bar oh okay i get it junkies are resourceful the hotel meanwhile is getting more and more nervous about what's happening because it's pretty obvious that this line of people a lot of them not wearing tons of clothes are headed up to the presidential suite and it's it's getting to be a bit of an embarrassment right all of this is happening right the the continuous parade of people are still coming up they're ripping things out of the mini bar to try to to try to ingest this thing they bought from a taxi driver and they get a knock on the door and it's the staff of the hotel and they're like listen the president of of cambodia needs needs this suite so we need you to get out of it wow they've been there for like a week right and so they say no they're like no we're paying you we've been here for a week no way and billy claims you could see the king of cambodia's bodyguards at the end of the hallway waiting at this point we've been successful with the candy bar wrappers and we did not care about anything two weeks into the trip they start running out of the the powder they'd obtained and they start trying to figure out what they're going to do next if we keep trying to find more of it we're never going to stop so we need to make this the end like i like how they like have these resolutions in the midst of them being their brains just being mush if we're going to do this though we're not going to be able to just quit cold turkey because we're going to go through such bad withdrawal so what we'll do is we'll go buy a bunch of sleeping pills and like heavy narcotics so they go to this pharmacy and they buy every pill that they can find that would do that and then they decide we probably need to leave bangkok (laughs) there's also this amazing aside billy passes out on an elevator and harry's with him and he's trying to get him out of the elevator and the doors open and mel gibson (laughs) and his family are in are waiting to get on the elevator as harry is trying to pull billy off of the elevator wow. <laughs> which is amazing if you think about where we are in mel gibson's career at this point right like this is uh, lethal weapon was 87 so this is like just post lethal weapon mel gibson's probably like top of the top of his game at this point right so All right so <laughs> so then they go to the royal cliff hotel in another town that's south of bangkok because they aren't getting on a plane yet because they're not cleaned up enough instead of laying low and staying quiet they were just like on these pills can't remember anything and they're being super loud and drinking and are tranquilized at the same time and they they go out and they borrow they like rent jet skis like they literally wreck the jet skis and sink one of them I mean, this story, this is like the most classic <laughs> rock and roll disaster story. They get back to their hotel room and uh, Billy passes out. He comes to later. It's nighttime and Harry's gone. And there's two women with Billy and he's just out of his mind and he gets really mad. And he'd also been working out a lot because you remember this whole thing about Billy physical appearance from when we saw him in 2015 right like he's ripped he likes to take his shirt off when he performs the whole thing so there's a huge log like because it's a fancy hotel and there's this huge log that serves as a table like it's this fancy table and there's glass sliding doors in their room he wakes up he's frantic doesn't really know what's going on he picks up this table and he throws it through the glass sliding doors (laughs) the hotel owner shows up gets so mad it, it takes twenty thousand dollars to get him to calm down so he doesn't call the police wow all right and at this point they decide okay 
Now we have to get out of here. We're going to go back to Bangkok. <laughs> yes. So let's count how many how many hotels have they destroyed at this point? Two two hotels that they've destroyed at this point. Um, they're, they've destroyed a jet ski. People are starting to call. They've been gone for like three weeks at this point. And people are starting to call and say, Billy, you've got like obligations. Like you got to come back. You got to finish a record. You got to do publicity or go on tour or whatever. But they know that they have to get all the way weaned off all the drugs before they get back on an airplane. It's 14 hours between the States and Bangkok. They just keep coming to them and being like, can you and your friend please leave? I really, really need you to leave. I really, really need you to leave. Because they are so out of their minds... One minute they would act reasonably, and then the other re- the other minute they would just start throwing stuff and breaking stuff, and then having to pay off the hotel management. Billy admits, by all accounts, that he doesn't exactly remember what happens in this last section of this story. Take us home. I'm ready. In the end, they have to call not the police. But the Thai military. Oh, so not the embassy, but okay, got it. Bring the military to get these two Americans out of here. So they get a nurse to come and give him a shot. They strap him to a hospital gurney and they take him to the airport with four soldiers armed with rifles marching beside him. Well, I mean, I, I need to think more about the exit strategy <laughs> from when I'm leaving for vacation because I usually just call like Uber or something. Uh, I mean, you know, you hear about making an entrance. How about making an exit? Oh, my God. So the takeaway here is Harry, Harry from this vacation, coins a term for Billy's drugged-up alter ego in which he refers to him as Bilvis. <laughs> Like Elvis. Oh, that's great. Like Elvis. Bilvis. And that is the story of Billy Idol versus the Thai military. Oh, that's fantastic. I really do Billy Idol. And thanks for thanks for taking me virtually to Thailand. Because that was great. That's probably as close as I'm gonna get. Yikes. It's it's unfair, all the people that died young, and then you hear a story like that and Billy Idol's still kicking. I mean, I'm not saying I don't want the guy to live, I do. But Wow. Yeah, and you know what? I even liked his quasi EDM rock record that had a uh, shock to the system on it. Oh yeah, I remember really that thing. Idol. Yeah, I really like Billy Idol. Dude, the live show like, was so good. We had a blast at that concert. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of, there was a lot of sightseeing. I mean, like, <laughs> just be There's some people that people that came in a time machine or they hadn't left the time period that the time machine should have taken to the current time. <laughs> they were there at that show. And that was nice. That was great. Uh, wow. There you go. If you've got a story you want us to investigate, if you've always heard something about a rock and roll um, character or a song or an album and you said, is that true? We'll do the research for you. It's rock and roll bedtime stories. That's what it's all about. Just email us. We are the story guys at gmail.com and check out all the projects we have going on with all our shows at we are the story guys.com. And we ask one thing uh, from you when you leave us each week. And what is that, Mark? Make sure you keep telling stories.
Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a Story Guys production. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Get more stories, hear more podcasts and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright 2020 Boy Have We Got Stories Productions. All rights reserved.